Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I just really wanted to scream boo at you and scare you. I don't know why. Terrified's got me in a shitty, in a, in a little shit mood, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> oh, Hello, listeners. Welcome to our very first Patreon episode of Scarred for Life. Scarred for adult life, scarred forever, scarred for something or another. Our scarred uh, for something. <laughs> scarred for something. Our, <laughs> our monthly Patreon exclusive episode where we dig into the things that have terrified us as adults that maybe hopefully won't be covered on you know the regular feed. I'm Terry. And I'm Ray Beth. And for our first episode. We, of course, had to cover this movie that has been brought up more times than not on our main episodes. The movie that is most often brought up as a film that terrified our guests as adults. This is the Argentinian horror film Terrified that was released in 2017, directed by Damien Rugna. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, this film uh, follows a series of supernatural events in a neighborhood in Buenos Aires. Uh, very, very, uh, basic, but I mean, it's not wrong. Um, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's, I think this was one of those, um, one of the first, I think, big Shutter original movies. I remember this being a big deal because it was after Revenge, but this was a movie I think that people are really excited about for Shutter. but I know that you saw it before it was on Shutter. So before we start talking about this movie more in depth, let's talk about how we first saw these movies, our first reactions, and why we're talking about it. And Terry, I love your fucking story about this movie, so I want you to go first. All right, all right, yeah. So this, uh, <laughs> this, this came out. Well, this was hitting festivals in these in the states in 2018, and one of the festivals it hit was Telluride Horror Show, and this was the very first festival that I had ever been to in person. Well been to period it was the very first festival i covered um i went as a fan and not coverage because i didn't think i was big enough to like request press coverage so i went there paid the tickets went to go see it and i i don't know if you guys know what where telluride is it's in it's in colorado um it's in the mountains it's a it's a ski resort town so it's up in the mountains it was like a i think like a 14 hour drive from omaha nebraska to there that me and two of my best friends so went. So you drove all the way there? You didn't fly? We drove all the oh, way there. Oh, I don't think I realized you drove all the way from Omaha. Well, the thing is, is that like we could have flown into Denver and then taken like a basically a prop jet from Denver to an airport like an hour outside of Telluride. But one of my friends, Nikki, my best friend that I've known since high school, does not like Shut to fly, up. period. 
she is a horrible oh. flyer. And I was like, that's probably not a good idea. Plus, then you have okay. to, like, get an hour-long trip. I think they might have shuttles that go. But, like, you're also looking. So, this, the, this, the, it just wasn't going to be feasible. Yeah. So, we drove instead. 15 hours. And um, I don't know if you know this, Mary Beth, but when you go up a mountain, you actually um, go up a, a mountain. <laughs> you know, just, like, materialize at the top of a mountain. And if you're me and you're driving up to Telluride and you are driving on basically the outskirts of the road and about two to three feet, at least that's what it looked like to me. It might have been five, but we're not not very far is a cliff. No guard railing. No anything else. It is road cliff. Oh, hello, trees that I'm seeing the tops of who sees the tops of trees. Uh, You apparently. Yes. And I'm driving up here (laughs) and I was like, I remember specifically because I'm driving and I am having a panic attack. And I'm like, guys, this might be the worst time to tell you this, but I'm afraid of heights. (laughs) And that is kind of a misnomer because I'm okay flying. I can look out the window flying. I'm okay on um, roller coasters, on things that shoot you up in the sky. Okay on that. But anything that like, I feel there's really no protection in this case, driving up a fucking mountain, my balls retreated into my body. <laughs> TMI, but that is what happened. No, I, I, I'm, yeah. And I'm white knuckled on my car going, please don't crash. Please don't crash. Please don't crash. Thinking about how far down if I hit a pie. Because this is in October too. No snow. But we're talking like getting into the winter months and i'm like please don't hit an icy patch please don't hit an icy patch because i'm like what am i going to do what is going to happen me and three friends gone off the cliff like that is what is in my mind so i bring this up because we get to the top of the mountain after a 15 hour drive that we did in one day we get there and we're at a high altitude so high that like we you i'm drinking feel good i was gonna say you probably you probably don't feel good or no like, you just feel exhausted shit. Can't, you know, can't breathe very well because the high altitude, getting used to that. We think it's a great idea to drink that night. Then the next day, our first day at the festival. Uh, People who don't know, higher elevations, you get drunker faster. uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Then the first day of the festival, we're walking around this, this beautiful town because there's three different theaters and they're spread out across the town. So we're like having to hoof it to some places. And there's like a trolley that we can take sometimes. But we are spending the entire day going from movie to movie and... We're so exhausted by midnight, and Terrified is the last movie of the night. Oh, it it was a midnighter? It was the midnighter. Let's just say we got inebriated. Yeah, you did. And if you know, you know. I'm not going to say it out loud, Mm -hmm. but if you know, you know. And I'm sitting in this movie, and I'm realizing, oh, fuck, this is not the movie to be inebriated in. I was absolutely fucking terrified and terrorized Ah. through the first, (laughs) through the very first act of this movie. I was just like, what is even happening? My eyes were like drooping because I'm so tired, but at the same time, like wide open, like I I can't handle this. What am I watching? What is happening? What is going on? I just, and I, I wasn't quite sure if it was making things worse or better because everything seemed to be very slowly happening. But at the same time, 
I'm like, I, I can't, I can't handle this. And I was, I was looking at my friends and I'm like, I don't know if I can watch this entire movie. Like, I'm <laughs> just like fucking panicking in the movie theater. Was there like a moment specifically that like, I mean, the movie just kind of starts like and doesn't stop, but was there a moment that like really fucked with you or at least was the one that was like run? <laughs> there were two. The first was that we're opening up and the woman is slamming her head against the walls of the bathroom. And I, part of me was because I was inebriated. I was sort of giggling. So I was like, I can't believe this is happening. What is You're going like, on? Where am right I? Because <laughs> she looks like she's on like a conveyor belt, just like bash, y- yes. and then yes. bash. And I'm just like, this is either very hilarious or this is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. And then it was the scene. The scene that just broke me was the scene with the kid at the table, and we'll dig into this more uh-huh. in depth. Mm-hmm. That we're staring at him, and again, time is moving so slowly that I'm just like is this kid going to move? He's going to move. Why isn't he moving? What is happening? We're still sitting, staring at this kid. When is he going to move? And then when the milk got spilled over, I was like, no, I, 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 I need to get out of here. But I was surrounded by people on both sides. I'm like, I can't go anywhere. I am stuck in this fucking hellhole, And I'm like, I can't handle this. I cannot handle this. And I think I might have fallen asleep. I'm not quite sure because I don't oh, remember a whole lot of some God. of the middle part of this movie. Uh-huh. But it was just a fucking nightmare, Mary Beth. I just, I could not, I could not handle it. And I was like, why did I do this? Why, 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 why did I make that decision? That and that was my first it. viewing of this, uh-huh. which is why I definitely wanted to talk about this. But I know you have also seen this movie and... This is also one of your choices. So mm-hmm. what is what is your first time watching this movie? Mine's way less fun than yours. <laughs> um, mine was I watched it by myself uh, when I was living in Chicago. So when I lived oh. in Chicago, while I was in grad school, um, this, this came out on Shutter. Mm-hmm. Grad school for me was a lot of staying inside and smoking weed and doing homework by myself. Um, you know. Which is not much different than what I do now. Let's be perfectly honest, as uh, as myself. But I had heard that it was like, it was like on Shutter. I'd heard amazing things about it. I'd heard it's so scary, and I was like, "All right, it's Friday night. I am going to watch a scary fucking movie. I'm going to turn the lights off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put on my noise canceling headphones, and Oof. I'm going to get fucking scared." Uh, well, um, so the part with the man under the bed. Yeah. So, okay. So what I was doing, I was watching it at my desk. Okay. So I had, it was like my desk was next to my bed and I was in my desk chair. As soon as the end, my bed was, was up. So there was, it wasn't like there was more space for storage underneath. So as soon as the bed stuff Ooh. started happening, I was like, fuck that. And moved <laughs> to my bed with my bed in the court. I, I, my bed was in the corner. So I had my back to the corner so I could see all parts of my uh-huh. room and know what was going on. Like I had to see it. I didn't turn the lights on, but I like I at that point was like, I, this is actually really scary. Like the, no, they weren't lying. Like this actually is pretty fucked up. <laughs> so, yeah, I was not expecting it to be so. <laughs> it lives up to the hype. It does though, and like it was so. That was my story. I was 
I was sober though. I do, I was stone cold sober when I watched this the first time, um, and it still scared the shit out of me. So my story is not as fun as yours, but it definitely like I tried to set this. I had the atmosphere going for it because I oh, knew yeah. I wanted to be scared. And sweet merciful Christ and a cracker, uh, scared the shit out of myself. Well, I don't I don't know what's worse, watching it in a in a movie theater full of people, or watching it by yourself in your bed in the dark with noise canceling headphones. Like I'm gonna. I'm biased. I think it's the one I did. <laughs> I I honestly do too. Because I was like, well, now I have to go to bed, and there's no one watching it with me to talk to me and talk me off the ledge. I definitely like put on like Jenna Marbles YouTube videos afterwards. I went through. <laughs> I, went through I was going through a Jenna Marbles phase when I was in grad school. Uh, it like happened. 10, ten years too late, but yeah, yeah. Fuck. I mean, I just I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine be like that. That is a kind of the perfect movie to just be kind of curled up in your bed and watching with noise canceling headphones because it's, it's so fucking terrifying. It, it really was. It was. It was the right. It was a good move. I think. Um, <laughs> it was, and I'm glad I experienced it that way. I mean, like I, I love doing that. Um, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of us horror fans love doing that, and it's just so cool when you can actually have that moment where you're like, oh, I am terrified. Like, I yeah. am legitimately terrified. Like, it, it, it did that trick. And, um, so, and I actually hadn't watched it again until today, when I rewatched, I rewatched it for the first time since I first Same. saw it. And I think I realized that, I think what this movie does, and I mean, I think we're gonna, we're gonna dig into it more specifically, but as like an overall thing, I think what this movie does incredibly well is, is tap into childhood fears, because there's like, the, the, the man under the bed, you know, we're, we're introduced to yeah. him as the guy is like, pulling his covers up and kind of peeking over the bed, which I did as a kid, I, I did still, as a kid. I still did it. I, I don't, I have a box spring, so we don't have like anything under the bed, but I still, I used to do that. Yeah. So there's there's that, and then also when there's a moment um, in the I think towards the end of the first act where another kid kind of, you know, is crawling into the the backyard mm-hmm. of the friends and he sees something he shouldn't see with the kid, the dead kid at the table that turns to look at him. So there's like I, I feel like there's these moments of like it understands that we're innately afraid of the dark, we're innately afraid of things that we can't see. That kind of mood that really I on this watch i was like yeah this really kind of brings me back to being a kid and watching something that it's that high that i think we chase from being a kid and watching something that absolutely terrified us it just it brought me back to that kind of same feeling of like i don't feel safe so i'm glad you brought that up because i kind of wanted to i wasn't sure when we wanted to talk about this but i'm gonna bring it up now before we go into specific moments but i was thinking about like what makes this movie so scary Trying to think about what makes this movie so scary. Aside, I mean, aside from the fact that there's like you know scary shit happening, and like, mm-hmm. but what makes it so terrifying? And I think something that stood out to me is this movie is is always jump scaring you. This movie is always throwing things at you. So there is never a moment to relax. And no. we say that a lot about horror movies, but I think this is one of the best ways I've seen it done in a horror movie. Is that like. You are programmed from the beginning that you will not be able to predict when something is going to fucking jump out of you. So you are constantly on edge. You are constantly ready to be scared. And I think that this puts you in that headspace so quickly that you're ready. And and by ready, I mean you're not ready, but like you're prepared right. and stressed um, and that kind of thing. So I think that is what makes this movie so scary. And I think that it's almost to its detriment. I will say, and I want to, I'll say this now is that I think it, 
and I think you wrote this in the notes, Terry, and I couldn't have agreed more with what you said about how it's not really character driven. It's like Mm -hmm. it's meant to be a spectacle. Like this movie was made to be a spectacle, but I think it knows that, which is why it works so well. Like this movie wants to keep throwing this weird shit at you. Like it's meant to make you shit your pants every five seconds like and you know a lot of movies get knocked for shit like that about these jump scares but i think there's just enough there's just a little bit more going on here that the it's not just jump scare fodder it's jump scare fodder with a little bit of extra sprinkled in well and i would say that the jump scares are earned like it's not like yeah it's not like a cat that jumps or some you know your your love person that puts their hand your loved person your (laughs) love the fuck went with it too i was just like you're a love person i'll fucking like, yeah sure you know like a loved one putting their hand on your shoulder like just appearing I'm out of nowhere like my love person now <laughs> hello love person please do my love person sorry yeah, pretty soon we're gonna find out the wedding's off because of love person i can't no can't can't do it can't do it but you know it's it's not like one of those kind of like the cat jumping into frame or someone touching a shoulder that has no right to be there or someone closing a mirror and there's someone standing behind you like there's none of those moments they're all like well earned and they're well constructed to be the maximum number of what the fuck did i just see well and the other scary thing is that nothing nothing scares these things away light doesn't scare them like you seeing them doesn't scare them. Like there isn't anything to protect you. And I again, this this particularly came up for me when thinking when the part with Walter and the neighbor who has the weird tall man under his bed. No matter what he does, like nothing scares it. And I think we're so used to having rules with like ghosts mm-hmm. and creatures and stuff of them being able like oh you turn on the lights to disappear. You don't like you do this, you do that. You're protected. Here it's like those rules don't exist anymore. You can't protect yourself you're fucked like that when you don't the rules are broken and you're like i fuck mm-hmm. and then when they do explain the rules which we'll get into you're like i don't I, I don't understand the mechanics of this movie i will say i don't well. i still <laughs> we'll get there but i still don't fully understand it but that's fine but like that i think is where the movie falls a little bit it's just like trying to be very complicated and i'm like no you didn't need to be that complicated but we'll get there but but i will say that when the experts are introduced they don't they know maybe a little bit more than us but like yeah they are fumbling around in the dark too this isn't like poltergeist yeah. where you know little zelda is coming inside and like your house <laughs> oh, is clean right <laughs> they're just like babe i don't know what's going on i don't know why this weird thing is coming out of your wall we don't have gay icon zelda rubenstein saying house is clear y'all <laughs> no we don't have any of that we have people that are like, you know, they, they have a little bit of familiarity with it, but they don't completely understand things. And obviously it doesn't help them in the end. So there's like, there's, again, that idea of like, no safety with this movie. And actually watching it this time, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, like, Juwan or The Grudge, or even Insidious yeah. to some degree, where like Insidious starts and it's just like starts and then they move to another house and it still follows them like it has that same kind of feel to this where that movie was not safe like you never felt safe in that movie but then on juan or the grudge you know it's sort of non-linear it doesn't really tell you everything you're following these different characters and it's spelling out the story that kind of fits together in puzzle pieces that we have to like figure things out so i do think this movie takes a lot from from j horror in particular the grudge to make it feel like you're not safe. 
Yeah, and I also think it has that kind of almost an almost anthology film like vibe that Juan has in terms of like things are happening in the same area, the same house to different people, and like there is some connective tissue, but it's all happening. It's happening simultaneously, but in different forms. And I think I like I like that format a little bit better than when the last half, when it kind of all comes together and it's like kind of more like a ghost hunting, mm-hmm. it, like a ghost hunting movie more than anything else. I mean, regard it's still it's still terrifying, but I think the biggest strengths are in those like almost segments of like okay, so and we'll, so we'll just jump into Act One because Act One yep. is this kind of anthology, so anthology ish kind of scenario. Um, because then we have, you know, the first, the cold open is the couple who the woman hears voices coming out of the drain. Absolutely terrifying, by the way. There's a really good visual gag with like, there's a bubble that's formed over the, the drain and it like is like breathing with the drain. Like it inflates and it kind of goes down and inflates again. What a small but creepy moment. And like, I forgot about that. Like there's, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of memories that kind of started coming back to me that they, I'd forgotten about this movie. Cause I think the cold open specifically, um, the cold open specifically with the woman dying and then the little kid were the two big things I remembered. So it's the most incredible cold open and cut to a title card. It's like, they said that, that I'm going to die. And then it goes, yeah. terrified with like, <laughs> the insidious kind of like, like huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. Music. And you're like, oh no. I don't, that was when I was like, oh no. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's when I made, said I made it. That's when I immediately said, I think I made a bad choice. I mean, with... it sets your, it sets your shit up right away though. Like this movie is not fucking around. And then this gag where you hear a knocking sound and the husband is like, I am pissed off. The neighbor is like being loud and annoying and he's trying to bother him. He comes back in and he's like, wait, that wasn't the neighbor. That wasn't Walter. <laughs> like such a good, like urban legend gag you know, a uh-huh. little bit too you know what i mean and it, he goes into the bathroom and his wife like you were talking about earlier it, a little janky looking of her body being thrown back and forth between conveyor the belted walls. across the shower and what is so i mean like it's fucked up because she's obviously been doing this for like hours and her body yes. is absolutely destroyed like because he doesn't go check on her in the shower because the shower is running so he's like she's in the shower it can't be her and then it's like uh-oh he finds her and it doesn't stop. She doesn't like no. fall down. And he grabs her. It just keeps slamming her head into the in the wall. And that was another moment where I was like, this movie is not fucking around. Like this will not let you go. Like this is like a shark or some kind of horrific yeah. supernatural predator that once it has you, you fucked. Like you're not going anywhere. And that is so scary. He tries yes! to stop her head from hitting the, uh, yes! the like faucet. And it's oh, just not happening. And he is like panicking. He is crying. He's telling her to stop, to stop, to stop. And obviously it's not her. The blood is like all over the fucking room. It looks like someone just threw paint everywhere. It's. Oh my God. But it's like, I, I, the, the kill, iconic and the sound design. I mean, like, and I didn't clock the score at this part either. Cause the film has a pretty big score. To oh, go it's very bombastic. Very jump scares, but the score at the beginning where it's not as like jump scare, jump scare is like mm-hmm. kind of this creepy droning sound that I had mm-hmm. remembered, and that is just as uncanny because you're just because you don't know what's going on, and it just adds to the confusion and the chaos of whatever is brewing here. And I mean, like it just this entire segment just really starts this shit off strong. Like y- you're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. 
and I think it kind of plays with convention a little bit because, you know, you, you think of like a haunted house movie and you hear the knocking, you know, it's like, oh, something supernatural is happening in the house, right? And then it kind of goes from there, you know, like poltergeist, it starts small, chairs are moving across the floor, that kind of shit, right? Where here it's like, no, that knocking is your wife banging her head against the bathroom floor, bathroom walls. Like it just starts at 100. It doesn't give you any time to like ease into the situation. Well, and also, this isn't a haunted house. It, the same haunted house movie that you think because it's not this house. Like, we're done right. with that house. We're, like, we're almost done with, like, that guy and that house. Because mm-hmm. let me move on to the next segment. We have him talking to the paranormal investigators as kind of a bridge between, like, hey, what happened with your wife actually happened somewhere else. And we're kind of, like, trying to figure out what's going on here. But we don't really know what's going on. But, like, hey, can you help us, like, figure out, like, tell us what's going on in your house? And then that's when we go to the next segment, which is their neighbor, Walter, who they thought was banging. And Walter's Mm -hmm. story is the one that made me want to piss my pants. (laughs) On this this watch, it definitely was the one for me, too. I don't know why it didn't affect me as much in the movie theater, because this is, like... This you know, but true. I watched it by myself next to my bed. So like that, I had like the actual space and I was like, oh no. And like my, I had to like open my closet <laughs> and turn the light on and check it and then shut the door all the way. Cause I was like, uh-uh, not today. <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. Dennis Fuck. Nudgy. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh, what's the magic word? <laughs> Fuck you, that's the magic word. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but like we get him and again it it starts off with like he is at the edge of his life like he yep. is he is exhausted he has been trying to call this doctor dr albrecht trying to get trying to get her to come take a look at his house because it's fucking haunted she's not returning his phone calls he's obviously losing it at work he gets home he's not sleeping and then we get this masterful sequence where he's like in bed looking down underneath his bed and he leaves the cover up and then he gets down off the bed and the cover falls back down <laughs> and we get the little stinger of the music toward like <laughs> key in on this but then I, what i love is is the this again a small moment where he's back in bed and the light the lamp on his table turns off and of course the cord from that table is underneath his bed and so he has to reach down under his bed to plug it back in and you're just waiting for like a hand to grab his wrist but no that doesn't happen and that's where my laptop charger my laptop charger was <laughs> under my bed and i had to my laptop charger while i was watching this movie and i was no. like i'm fox my hand is gonna be eaten but I love that he like leans over and he, that's not what happens. Instead, we have the camera back under the bed and we see the dude's fucking leg standing there as he takes off running away. <laughs> like, so what? Bad. And like, also there's found footage parts in this sequence mm-hmm. because of me. I love that because he sets up a camera to film what's going on because he's like yeah. something fucking weird. But Again, this is a moment he wakes up and his bed is moving and the bed keeps moving while he's awake. Again, like a thing that in horror, it's like, oh, you're asleep and the bed moves and you wake up and you have no idea, but you wake up and it's like, ha ha, okay, cool, you're watching. Like, we're not going away. Like, mm-hmm. ha ha ha. So he sets up the camera and he captures the guy coming out from under the bed and watching him. And just to be gross, the this this creepy naked demon guy's got a really nice ass. Sorry, but he's got he nice does. cheeks. He's got nice cheeks. Good for him. 
But <laughs> the better the chase you with, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Like he the, does the, those, like, you know, stair aerobics he, or whatever. He'd be, he be doing his lunges. He's been doing them squats. Mm-hmm. Like he's getting, he's putting in the work. Demon got back. Demon got <laughs> juicy. Look at those in those booty shorts. Little, <laughs> little mesh crop top and little booty shorts. Hell yeah, queer icon. Queer icon. Maybe reclaiming this so I don't get scared. <laughs> But like, hey, this, if the Babadook this, can be it, it's true. No, it's true. But like, this segment is my worst nightmare of like something mm-hmm. under my bed, and like, yeah. it is unabashedly under your bed too. Like, it mm-hmm. is not just something that's like maybe it's like, haha, I'm here and I'm really <laughs> tall and I'm gonna scare the shit out of you and ruin your life. Like, that's exactly. And like, when he wakes up and all this furniture is rearranged all over the place, like it's just again, it's just going right into it. There isn't like the build up. It's like something is just we don't know the build up. We don't know these characters. We don't really get to know who they are. We just get to know them at a very specific time in their life, which I think is a very obviously purposeful choice. Like we're not here to know the characters. This isn't about, a this isn't character driven. This is an ensemble situation that is just supposed to show you all of these scares and how fucked up the scenario is. We're not really supposed to know anything about these people. Which I didn't really clock before, but I also think, again, they do it so well that it doesn't, They there's just enough about the characters to like, there's a connection sort of but yeah yeah you know what i mean there's yeah i do because there's it gives you enough to to kind of latch on to them because i mean there have been times where you know you're really exhausted you're at your rope and you're like at work and you're fucking tired and you just want to get some sleep and you can't so we have that we have the the man with his wife who we get enough to see that they love each other and then she gets her fucking head bashed in like it's enough of like a trope to like create empathy in us but it's not enough that it's like a slow burn descent into hell this isn't you know an a24 movie where we're just seeing one of these characters slowly deteriorate over the course we are at the end of that slow burn and this is like all climax that the first act is all climax that's exactly it yes that is exactly it but then and then we have our our third house slash scenario which i completely forgot about how we got so this is the kid the dead kid yeah i forgot how we got here though i Me totally too. forget that the kids gets hit by a fucking bus yeah he's going over to Walter's i texted house. you in all uh-huh. caps i was like he gets hit by a bus like, <laughs> i did too because like he goes over to walter's house and you see him like trying to drink from like the faucet and walter is is in his boarded up house and he's like don't drink the water get out of here yeah and it made me think that there's like it kind of increased this idea that like there's an infection in this this place contagion i I was Mm -hmm. thinking about the contagion aspect and then he backs up and before you know it dude he gets hit by a bus which again is also sort of like foreshadowed because when the the um the paranormal investigators are talking with Juan. They're like, when did it start? And he's like, it started with the accident. Cause that's what he mm-hmm. saw is yeah. the accident of the poor kid that gets, that gets hit by the, the bus and decides yeah, this to movie come back. Is killing a little kid immediately. Like if you do this little kid and not a minute later, his ass gets run over by a whole fucking bus. Like incredible. This movie incredible. is just like, yeah, fuck it. Everything. Fuck it. So the, the kid, it's sad. The kid is dead, but then, I love how they introduce this too. The cops, like the cop, a cop calls a paranormal investigator and is like, "Yo, bruh, you gotta get over here." Like we used to work together. (laughs) Like this is, I don't know what to do. And they show up, and it's like the cops have already been there. And again, like we are coming at the tail end of it. Like all we see are little muddy footprints leading up into the house. 
and then we, dirty handprints on the door, like the door, scratching like, at the door. It's such a small moment that's really not addressed yes. because they address the footsteps moving up the fucking house, but they yeah. don't address the fact that there is like, like someone is pawing mud on the, the door. It's never really focused on, but that's such a small little environmental detail that I was like, ooh, what is going on here? Yeah. And so they finally kind of show what happened and the little boy is just sitting at the dining room table like nothing happened but he's fucking rotted corpse he's dead he's very dead he and the is cop so is dead. like and like of course i would be like oh the mom went crazy and like buried the kid but they're like the mom doesn't have dirt on her there's no like there's no trace of decay the kid's got dirt under his nails like mm-hmm. he was buried yeah he like it's bloodied like it's raw and so they're just which is horrifying oh exactly like what is going on and then they're like the the cop is like my people have seen him move and i have seen him move and like and right away again right away he's like i have seen him move like this is not okay like there is something very wrong here (laughs) the guy's like well uh just blame it on the like they were just like okay let's lie about (laughs) it now and i'm like let's just bury that let's bury it again and just pretend that nothing happened so that the mom doesn't get locked away in a crazy bin is basically what he says and on top of this the cop that calls the paranormal investigator his name is funes he also he has been seeing alicia like they have a a romantic relationship together and the moment he starts talking about it is when the kid knocks over the glass of water and the glass of milk and it's almost as if like this kid is not happy that he is hanging out with his mom I know I got that and I hadn't I didn't remember that from this time me neither oh I like that little like added thing of like fuck you fuck you man and then it's what all and then everything this is kind of what everything starts coming together into a more like cohesive linear narrative is we have this like this paranormal investigator sees Dr. the the, Albrecht Albrecht outside taking photos mm-hmm. of the house across the street, Walter's, Walter's house. house. Mm-hmm. And we know that Walter was trying to call her to be like, <laughs> help me. And he sees her and he's like, hey, uh, also, you should come see what's going on over uh, over yonder. Because, <laughs> boy, I've got something for you to take photos of. It's not of, contained in one place, lady. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, we got a, a reanimated corpse of a little boy <laughs> just chilling. You want to help me uh, put him in a freezer? <laughs> Ah, I know they put this body in the freezer because the, and, uh, you know, it kind of, it does make sense a little bit because they want to like move the body by this time. It's like daytime. They want to move the body when no one's going to see them taking a fucking 10 year old decomposing corpse out. I get it. But also it's a little like, okay, this is kind of fucked up that you are stuffing this body in a freezer in the backyard. What is happening? And so... We have, so it's like, okay, so we've seen all of these three things happen. They're like, all right, something fuckeroni is going on here. So we're going to, wow, look, we have three paranormal investigators. Luckily, we have three. Luckily, we have three <laughs> um, to split up between these houses. So each paranormal investigator gets a house, and then Fuentes goes with his colleague to a, one of the houses. And they're like, okay, cool. So we're going to, like, just uh, figure out what's happening here. Uh, and so we start, this is where things start falling apart a little bit in terms of like yeah. trying to now give an explanation to what is going on here. Like, why is it 
why is it going on like in three houses why like is what's spreading it what is going on here and of course you still get a shit ton of scares um there's an incredible moment where they're in a kitchen and the house starts sucking the blood out of one of the paranormal investigators and i forgot about that where they're like wait it's sucking and you hear the (laughs) yeah because like they walk in and there's silverware dangling from the cupboard And it like pierces Rosentalk's hand and, and mm-hmm. sticks him into the into the cupboard, yeah. and then you hear the sucking sound, and you can actually see the blood like moving upward as as opposed to dropping. And it's like such an inventive, cool little moment that so, just like again well, that's, the that's ambiguity. The thing about this movie of like giving these like these weird moments of like this is happening we don't know why we're not going to give you a visual but it's going to add to the mystique of like there is something much bigger here than like a ghosty like this is not casper this is not a poltergeist like this is something much weirder and then that's when we get diving into like some other weird uh time space shenanigans that i don't really understand i'll be perfectly honest I don't get it either. I, I still don't. I think that's fine. <laughs> I think they're like interdimensional beings and they all exist at the same time. And But then they also want to come into our more, more purposefully come into our world. Yeah. And they love blood because apparently they have to clean up the blood really quickly and time yes, moves that's, mm-hmm. quicker in the house. I didn't so. imagine the time, di- the time dilate. I guess because, like, we hadn't heard anything like this happening with previous. They, like, we didn't mm-hmm. hear about time dilation in other, from other people or, like, anything like that. So they start putting together these theories. And I was like, I don't quite understand where that's coming from. But, like, okay. Like, sick. But I will say, when they discover this, there is a, it's a really cool gag where Fuentes is on the phone with. Um, yes. With Jono. With Jono. And Jono's like, are you in a window? And he's like, no, I'm in the kitchen. And he's like, I see a guy in the window, but not all the always. So there's like a paint. It's like almost like it's like um part of the window pane. On mm-hmm. one side of it, there's no one in the window, and on the other side, there's a creepy, the creepy scary thin man. man, creepy thin man. So it's like I think a really awesome visual representation of like something fucky is going on the time space dimension mm-hmm. stuff, and it's a really cool visual gag to really set that up in a really fascinating way and then we get a jump scare because the moment it, the camera pans across <laughs> one it's like right in front of fucking Jono's face and i jumped i jumped i knew it was coming and i le still shit, jumped le shit my pants as they <laughs> le say. shits my pants le shit my pants i say as the french so, would say as the french would say so that yeah and so i think that introduction of the concept is really was really awesome visually speaking um i the follow-through still not totally sure it worked for me but i think I loved the way they set it up with that kind of visual. Yeah, because they're talking about darkness, light, two realities sharing the same place and time, darkness and light. And I'm like, okay, you were saying a lot of mumbo jumbo that. Well, and I was like, but things were happening really at night and during the day. But then it also seems like at one point, Fuentes falls into another dimension, but that is like, it, it all gets a little bit unclear when things yeah. start coming out of walls and have glowing green eyes and things <laughs> like that. And talking about how. They're infecting the water and making nests in the water <laughs> and things are growing out of the water. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Where did that come from? Where did we get that information? 
talks about dimensions organized like an orange. Water is the channel used by microscopic beings. They can use our body. And that is when the hand reaches through the crack in the Mm. wall and... And smashes her goddamn head. Smashes her. Oh, that was... I I forgot about that part. That was incredible. Mm -hmm. I jumped there, too. They're like, why are they so aggressive? And then it just slams her head into the fucking wall. And I was like... (laughs) But it's like... I think, again, I think it does lose a little bit of steam here because I, yeah. I just don't, I think they tried to make Flynn here like a hero character. I mean, don't, the reason why the other parts work so well is because we didn't spend a lot of time with these characters. So we didn't mm-hmm. have time to like question them and like care about them outside of this specific scenario. But with him, it's like, okay, so now he's having heart attacks and he can't really hear and we're playing with like weird coagulation. It, like it just all gets a little bit too, a little bit too much, I think loses sight of what made like the beginning part so good yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't want to make i just like, didn't want to like a cop hero i think i i don't think i thought about this as much the first time but this time i was like eh, he's just like another like white cop hero character and like well it obviously doesn't have a happy ending i was just like eh, i don't really care about it. well i i think that the the first I think the first act is just so much is getting thrown at you. It's like one horror yeah. set piece to another to another. And like I said, it feels like the climax of, a, of, a, of three different movies smashed together into one little fantastic first act. And then things slow down when we're introducing a whole new set of characters. And it's basically old people come in and save the day or try to save the day and, and fail yeah. miserably. But like we follow them and we have, again, no connection to any of them except for... Um, Jano, who, you know, is introduced with the the lady and her dead kid segment. Yeah. But like, it just, it the pacing kind of slows down after a very kinetic first act that I just, yeah. I, on this watch, I was a little bored, I would say, with the second act. It didn't hit me as much as um, I remember it doing on the first, on the first watch. I think I started to see a little bit of the, a little bit of the seams, I think, of the, of the storytelling in terms of that yeah, I narrative that. aspect of it. So that, that's a negative, but um, I think that once we get into the third act, and again, yes, it's it is fun is, but him running away, the old the woman with her neck bent backwards, oh, running, and she's like they're torturing us. When she said they're torturing us, I was like, fuck. And then, so this all clicked a little bit more for me this time though, because when she said they're torturing us, and then it seems like. I kind of realized, oh, this is now, now Fuenas is in his own personal hell. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I perceive this ending, where he is now seeing, like, the love of his life, but they get mad at him. Um, yeah. Kill herself. The kid is still there. Like, she, he is in his own personal version of hell, is kind of mm-hmm. how I was interpreting it around, like, this time around. And it, and everyone else is kind of experiencing their own version of hell as well which I think is so fucking scary. Yeah, no, I, there is still, even though I, I think some of these, these narrative beats don't necessarily work as well as the first act, there are some really disturbing aspects to it. And that is, that is one of them. Him seeing his, the, the woman that he's been, you know, having a relationship with, you know, blaming him, t- saying that you know, like you stuff my kid in the, in the, you know, the refrigerator, all that kind of stuff is, is, deeply disturbing on like a not on a visceral level not on a yes you know horrible things are getting smashed <laughs> against wall level but like on a just a this is some fucked up mental psychological horror stuff 
original. I, and I, again, like thinking about like we're torturing us part and like his. Mm-hmm. I think that again, like it does kind of get lost a little bit at the ending, but there is something really fucked going on there with like the way this is all coming together. And then we have our final shot or our final sequence where this guy from the first, it kind of is book. It's like a bookend. The guy from the first segment at the beginning, it, more investigators are coming to talk to him about like, have you seen this guy? Like, what do they talk to you about? And he goes. Did that guy come with you? And he points to the back. Mm-hmm. And they're like, who are you talking about? It's like, he came in here with you. And then he reveals one of the investigators who looks like he's been horrifically burned. And he starts moving chairs. And the final shot is that fucking chair coming out the camera. Yes, which it's is such like, a, a great, you know. It's such a good. But the thing is, is that like, so the uh, the director, Demian. Demian? Demian? Yes, maybe. He has been working on a sequel to this and he's been, he had been writing it ever since uh, that first one happened. And his idea would be that it would start right after the first one finished. So seconds after you see this chair flying into the screen. Yeah. He's like, he wanted to pick up immediately there. And uh, he says, also you get to know a little bit about what's going on in this town, but it's not his main interest to explain it, nor does he wanted to be the audiences, um, but he wanted to like pick up literally where the first movie ended. This movie, I th- I think from what I understand, it sounds like it's kind of tied up with some rights issues because when it got bought, so like Netflix and Shutter acquired the original, then they got offered to shoot the remake. And he says one of the things that he fought for was having a chance to do a sequel to the original film because the studio gets to own everything, the characters, the music, the brand, and so on. So he's like, so while I'm the first option to direct the American sequel, you never know what's going to happen. And I, he wanted some leverage. If they do, because there's been talk about them remaking this film, and there's one moment in this that I was like, this would be kind of cool to do. And it, it would be if you were into, instead of remake it, back in that, when the investigators are first talking to Juan, they're like, this happened in the U.S. in 1998, and there's a lot of similarities. And I was, because there's that line, and that's why they brought Rosentalk in, in that in that first oh, segment. Yeah, that's and right. he brings up it happened oh, in America in the 1998. Yes. That would be a fucking awesome way to do oh like God, American fuck. version of this movie. That would be so good. Because then it would be like a prequel. That is what if you're gonna listen. Movie producers, if you are listening to this and you're a Patreon, well, thank you for subscribing to us and supporting independent podcasting. But also, if you wanted to do American Remake, do this instead and make it in the U.S. Make it like a... I would be very down for that. And I mean, again, it makes sense. It's not like some weird shoehorn thing. Right. He also is tapped by Shudder to distribute a new film that he is working on. That sounds really good called when e- when evil lurks oh it's about two brothers in a small village that discovered a man infected by demons who seems about to spawn more evil and trying to get rid of the monstrosity they incidentally make everything considerably worse and that was supposed to start filming this year oh, fuck and that. it's already been picked up by shutter so that would be amazing to see he, he, he knows how to do scares so mm-hmm. i i cannot fucking wait i'm so glad we revisited this movie uh, it's so good like, you when things fell apart a little bit, it's so good as shit. It's so scary. Like, it still got me. Like, I, I yeah. I mean, the, the first act is, I, I, and I honestly think that when people think about this movie and think about being terrified by it and the things that really jumped out of them, I believe it's the first act. I, I agree. I think so, too. I think the first act is where, like, a majority of these really incredible scares do kind of reside. Because it's what I remember. In fact, when I was watching yeah. this, and 
I was like, oh, this is happening all very quickly. And then the, the kid part, for some reason, I thought the kid part was much, 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 much later in the movie. Okay. I, I and thought, it's again I because so I'm pretty sure my idea of time was really fucked up by this like, point. Oh? Yeah. Uh, and I forgot how long the stuff was at the end, like with the, the paranormal investigation stuff. Yeah. But I mean, it's still scary shit, guys. It's still on Shudder if you want to check it out. If you haven't checked it out before and you want to get scared, it's there for you. And if you want, uh, just want to get scared again, rewatch it. It's, yeah. it's there. Spooky season's here. It's time to start rewatching that scary shit. It's like a good, it's a perfect Halloween watch. Oh, and yeah. And I think it's a great... It's not good to show people who don't like getting scared, but I still think it's a good, like, it's a good horror movie night movie because mm-hmm. also I think if you really want a good jump scare movie, like, that is the one. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to our first uh, Patreon episode of Scarred for Adult Life. Maybe we'll have a better title for this at some point, <laughs> but this is, this is what we're working with for right now. These will be coming up once a month on Patreon, and we are going to do a post where we will have people vote or suggest films for us to cover. Um, Contemporary horror films that have come out in the last five to ten-ish years that will have more like five-ish years that we probably won't cover on the podcast just because they're so new. We want your suggestions and to hear what scared you. Yeah. Um, So please let us know. You can also let us know uh, through email. You can scarred for life podcast at gmail.com. You can email us there. Uh, and you can also talk to us on Twitter about what we should be covering because I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. Yes. And thank you again so much for subscribing to our Patreon. It means a lot to us to have that extra funds to help you know pay for some of the costs so that we can keep creating content for you it uh is really nice so thank you for that so if you like this uh share it and let people know that we have a patreon now um we'd love to get as many people on this as possible so thank you so much and again thank you to eric power for our artwork thank you to sean keller for our music we're still using all that stuff here Mm -hmm. um and thank you to all our patrons for listening Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.